0: are we doing this really wait for it are we doing this wait for it wow what the fuck WTF. and it's also eh, what the fuck what's wrong with me it's time for wtf what the fuck
1: with mark Marin.
0: okay let's do this how are you what the fuckers what the fuck buddies what the fuck a what the fuck a ricans hey look we got more here Oh no, I'm going to the suggestions. What what the fuck A Fornians? Okay, that's good. What the fuck All Alright, I can live with that. And here's a very special request. Hey man, I'm a huge fan of your podcast, and I'm also Ethiopian, so I'd be psyched if you gave a shout-out to the what the fuck a opians. What the fuck opians What the fuck opians At the beginning of your show. Well there you go. Welcome, what the fuck opians Oh, here's a bunch. What the fuck eyes, what the fucker jacks what the fuck drivers all right what the fuck i'm done with that welcome to the show i am mark Marin. this is wtf this is an exciting day here on the show i get to interview brian cranston uh, who is an actor obviously uh, i know him as uh mr white walter white from breaking bad and i am obsessed with that show i'm completely out of my mind fucking obsessed with that show i saw it sunday night and now i can't i i think about that show during the day that's where i'm at with breaking bad i mean it's been a great week we had john Hammond on from mad men love that show waiting for that to come back but i am completely submerged immersed and obsessed with breaking bad i have no idea what the fuck is going to happen i never know what's going to happen and i wake up thinking about it that's got to be the sign of a good show never know it's genius and I get to talk to Brian Cranston today and I'm not going to ask him uh, for the recipe of meth. I'm not going to ask him that. I'm not going to ask him to speak to me as Mr. White. I will try to get past the fact that he is Mr. White. So let's, let us let me work on that while we do this open. Let me try to get past that. Got some email about the rat issue under the house. And some of you are, are indicting and slandering my cats for not doing their job. I don't know that... Uh, Boomer did not kill that rat and drag it under there. The rat, quite honestly, from the bag that I held in my hand, was almost the size of Boomer. Uh, I do not have a rat problem. Uh, I, I'm still, I maybe I should have opened the bag because I still think in my heart that it's a possum and that's sort of a waste of heart space to uh, you know hold on to this idea that perhaps I was misled by the man with a poor grasp on the English language. And that it was indeed a possum under my house, but don't get on my cats, all right? You know, my cats maybe they're they're not they're not mousers, but uh, but who knows? It, maybe the mythos that should be established is that Boomer killed that rat and took it under the house and placed it directly under my bedroom as a gift for me because he doesn't come in the house. Maybe Boomer's that smart, and maybe I I should be thanking him. So look, today was my cheat day on my diet. You know it's an amazing diet? You know how you can lose weight really quickly? Crank, meth, yeah. Yeah, if you spend about three or four days on meth, you will take the pounds off like that. You'll also have a weird look in your eye. You'll feel like your brain is, is way too open and that you understand a lot more than you do. And you'll probably have a very clean house at the end of those three days, depending on what you obsess on. Some people will clean their house. Others will draw mazes. Some people will insulate with the odd things. Uh, it, it's a, When you do crystal meth and you have an obsessive personality, look out. Some things are going to get shiny. Some things are going to get drawn and some things are going to get fixed around the house, and no one's going to get any sleep, and eventually you'll be talking to yourself, but pretty sure you're in a reasonable conversation. I always said back in the day when I did do drugs, uh, crank is a great drug for the first hour or two. It's what you do with the other 72 that really becomes the issue. Man, I don't miss that drug, and it wasn't my drug per se, but that show, Breaking Bad, man, man, it really captures it. You don't watch that show when you see those tweakers and ever think like, oh, there you go. That's the thing for me. And I never smoked it. And back in the day, what what is it with me and back in the day today? Holy fuck, I'm not 100. But the crank we had was yellow. It was shitty. It was made in someone's bathroom or bathtub, usually by bikers or Mexican gangsters. Uh, it always hurt going in. And within seconds, you would just feel it start sort of in your sinus passages burn up behind your eyes and then you would just feel your brain peel open and then of course you could uh see people's bones through their face not in a trippy way just in a very intense way and you could probably i thought the one or two times i did crystal meth that i could move things with my mind i thought that i i I have no way to prove it not unlike the rat under the house oh fuck who the hell's calling now? Hello?
1: Hey, Mark. It's Kevin Allison calling.
0: Kevin Allison from The Risk Show?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, you're not going to believe what I just did.
0: Okay. What What did you just do? It, it seems that you need to share it with somebody. I'm glad it could be that person.
1: I just went to this kink camp. Kink? Right? Kink? Yeah, yeah, this camp for kinksters.
0: Oh, so you're uh, for fans of the band The Kinks?
1: No, no, no. For fans of people like uh, who, who like being set on fire and flogged and having fire hoses uh, sprayed in their orifices.
0: Oh my God! How did that go?
1: Well, I didn't realize there'd be no other gay dudes there.
0: Oh, so you had to make do, huh?
1: Yeah, I, I had to be. Uh, uh, I had to get with a woman named Strap on Joe.
0: Uh huh. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, it, was, it, was, so, it, was my, it was my first experience with a woman at forty one years old.
0: Is that true? is that true?
1: That's absolutely true. I had only ever kissed a girl in the fifth grade.
0: So out of uh, out of desperation and the uh, the desire not to waste your time at kink camp, you uh you you got to stand in.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, absolutely. Uh, and you
1: know what? It was a blast. Oh, it was that, a blast.
0: Do you talk about this on your show?
1: yeah yeah there's there's a new episode where I tell the whole kink camp story on risk
0: all right well, that's something to look forward to so are you just calling me to tell me you uh you got you got fucked with a strap on or
1: <laughs> no 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 there's one other thing what risk we're we're doing this fundraiser yeah and yeah, and we have all all the like great folks who have told crazy stories on the show are like giving strange things as prizes for people who pledge. Yeah, like um, uh, Michael Showalter will draw a doodle of you, mm-hmm. or Margaret Show will give you sex advice.
0: Ooh, or... I, that could go. That could go either way.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Lisa Lampinelli, she'll insult you all day on Twitter.
0: Oh, wow, okay.
1: Yeah, Janine will will make a friendship necklace for you.
0: Oh, yeah, she's probably got some well I don't want to ruin anyone's surprise, but I think she's probably <laughs> already got a few made. Janine likes yeah. to make
1: <laughs> No no no. These are so especially for you if you pledge, Mark.
0: Okay, well all right. So uh all right, so I guess, you know, I wouldn't mind being part of this. You need some you need something from I'm uh, you need something from me?
1: Yeah, yeah. What do you got? Do you have anything around?
0: Well, I'm in the garage now. I've got a. I've got a broken chair. Um, that's not. That's no good. I. I uh, oh, here's a. Uh, here's a bowl that I ate cereal out of. That's not clean. Would that be something you think? No. Wait. No.
1: It's, in, it's interesting, but it might be a disease. ridden by the time it gets to them.
0: Hey, I've got a. You know, a packing tape roller. You know the kind you get for free sometimes when you buy packing tape. How about that?
1: Oh. I love those things.
0: I've got my uh looks uh, my tallest bag is I mean I don't want to give away my tallest. I certainly haven't used it in a long time. You know what I could do is I've got these beautiful uh, WTF posters that were done for a Bellhouse show. Uh, they were kind of hand screened and uh, hand printed on uh, this beautiful thick paper. It's very nice. I could do one of those.
1: Ah, that's perfect. That's beautiful. I love that.
0: The goal is what, Kevin?
1: We're trying to raise $50,000 so that we can keep the whole show going. Oh, I mean, well, shit. Why didn't you? com. Just...
0: Wait, okay. Wait, why didn't you just say that? Hold on. Get my, let me get my checkbook. 50000
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it takes a lot to run it to get people to tell crazy shit like this. It takes a lot to keep it going.
0: All right, so where can people go?
1: Uh, they go to Indiegogo.com, and the campaign is called Keep Risk Running.
0: Okay, so that's uh, that's to keep uh, the show risk going. It's a great show. A lot of people tell some very uh, some very deep and dark and funny stories on that. I've been on there. Obviously, Janine's been on there. Shoal Walter. Some of the other people. Who else has been on there?
1: Oh gosh, Uh, Rachel Dratch. um, Let's see, uh, Nick Swartzen, Kevin Nealon. Just a whole ton of like pretty much everyone from the state. Okay. Lots of crazy stuff.
0: All right, well it's a great show. I had a great time doing it. It's a good cause. I'm gonna donate my WTF poster. Give me the uh, give me the site name again.
1: Yeah, indiegogo.com slash keep dash risk dash running.
0: Well that's complicated. So they should just go to indiegogo.com and, and look for keep risk running.
1: <laughs> exactly. And working and if they go ahead. if they want to hear about me getting fucked by a girl with a strap on, they can just go to risk dash
0: Oh, well, that's where I'm going. And I'll send you <laughs> yeah,
1: the Yeah, uh, it's very juicy.
0: I'll send you the poster, buddy.
1: Great. Thanks so much, Mark.
0: Okay, thanks a lot, Kevin.
1: Cool. Talk to you later.
0: Uh, in the garage right now with me at the Cat Ranch, I'm thrilled, is uh, Brian Cranston. Meow. Yeah. Welcome to the
2: Cat Ranch. I thought this was the cat house. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was it not oh, clear? Uh, no. Uh, that, clear. I, I, I we can oh. get you directions. Oh, okay.
0: I'm, uh, I'm thrilled that you showed up. I'm going have... <laughs> to
2: <laughs> Just that someone drove the <laughs> hell out here to East Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You ever been out here? I have. I shot something out here many, many years ago. What would that have been? But um, This weird little film. I think it was called um, Street Corner Justice. Uh-huh. With Mark Singer, yeah, and uh, it was so strange because everyone in this in this film had yeah. an accent of some sort. <laughs> there was the the street black guy, there was the Hispanic guy, there was the Korean grocer. Yeah, there, I played the Irish priest. There, I mean, every single person had an accent. What was that to know? make up for a lack of a plot or story? It was probably or? a diversion tactic. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> We don't know what we're doing here. We can't just go out and fight them. <laughs> you know, all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, like
0: how, like, how many years ago would that have been?
2: Oh, God. 15, 16 years ago, something like
0: that. Like, I was, uh, look, I'm a huge fan of uh, of uh, Breaking Bad. And uh, I'm going to have, I have a little difficulty. I'm going to have to separate you
2: from uh, Walter. Oh, okay.
0: Do you have difficulty separating yourself from Walter?
2: No. I think most people do because you're you're looking at me right now. I don't look at myself very much. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Throughout the day, it's like I'm looking the other way. Um, and well, when I work, you know, he's a very specific guy, and I kind of slip into those comfortable shoes, the the wallabies. Yeah. Shave my head, put on those glasses, and now I'm Walter White. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's different for me. Now. Uh, Seeing
0: that, like I just saw uh, Drive last night as well. Oh, cool. You were great in that. Thanks. And that's a beautiful movie.
2: It's a really cool movie. Were you pretty impressed with it? I was, uh, and especially because we shot it in a, in a conventional sense. Uh, and Nicholas Reffin, our director, really found the movie in editing, I think, and the music and added that film noir type of feel to it it's kind of a hybrid
0: yeah it's almost like there's a there's some uh almost western elements in it yeah in the way that uh he kind of comes out of nowhere with no past and you know and we don't
2: know much about him morally dubious yes and, exactly uh,
0: as uh you've directed some yourself mm-hmm. and uh i mean when you see a movie like that, that so many people said uh, this is a great movie and y- you hardly ever hear that anymore like people coming up to you going, it's a great movie yeah and then you go to it and it takes a while for it to build, but it's clearly a director's movie. And, and, and I walked out of there saying, there's no way an American guy directed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's just too, it's too stripped down. There's no pyrotechnic. It's all about the frame and it's about waiting. And everything because of that, that scene with you and Albert Brooks, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but that was insane.
2: Yeah. I pitched that. Yeah, did you? Yeah. Come on. No, I did. I, I pitched that sequence, and um, which was a, another part of... Doing Drive that was so rewarding is that all the actors, the main actors, were in uh, Nicholas's living room here in Los Angeles. Uh, pitching out ideas of what they would like to say, what they don't want to say. And and so everyone was like contributing. And so consequently, when we started shooting that, we were all invested in this movie. Much more than, than just hired actors. Well, you've been a hired actor for what, 40 years?
0: 32 Thirty-two, close. Where did you uh, come from? Where'd you grow up? L.A. So was that always the thing for you? I mean, when you were, what drove you
2: towards that? It's not the the easiest Um, career. No, it certainly isn't. But my dad was an actor. My mom and dad met in a in a a Hollywood acting class after the war, after World War Two. And she gave it up to be a housewife and a mother and that sort of thing, which is was the times. And he pursued acting and writing, and he had a, a typical actor's career where it was up and down and down and up and down and down and up and down yeah. and down, and and um, it kind of got to him. So he said, I, I just can't do that anymore, you know. At what age did mm. he say that? Late 40s. So were, were you, uh, was
0: there, because I know from, from being a comic and being in show business and the way I'm in it and, and knowing other actors, I mean... As a kid, were you listening to your father go like, "I don't know what I'm going to do anymore"?
2: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they're not coming. The parts aren't coming. That and 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 or rehearsing lines. Um, Sometimes we'd have some, you know, it was loose back then, so we'd have props. We'd we'd have they'd bring home some army helmets and German helmets (laughs) and things like that, and badges and patches and things like that. Yeah. That I thought, oh, that's so nice of them, and I realized later my dad must have lifted these things. You know? (laughs) (laughs) like, no one's going to say, here, Joe, take these home. Was he in films? Did you? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. There was uh, one that I remember. He was in a lot of television, a lot of film, the the, the beginning of the end Uh with the large grasshoppers climbing up the side of the... The, the buildings you know this horror film it was with Peter graves yeah and uh you know sector five turn you know come in yeah this is sector five on the top of the roof building at 40 second and, and, and you know third avenue uh, all looks clear here it cuts back to them in the control room yeah. okay let us know if you yeah I'll let you know ah! 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 Ah!
1: <laughs> you know <it's> yeah. like,
2: <laughs> that and you're in the theater going
0: that's my dad
1: yeah that's
2: my dad who just ate it <laughs>
0: So uh, so when you got started were you studying something else i mean were you, was there another trajectory there
2: I want well early on i wanted to be a baseball player yeah that was my my goal and i was i was good in little league and different levels and i you know and then as you grow and you get into higher and higher levels uh high school was the was the eye opener to me yeah it was like oh i'm just average <laughs> not a hero <laughs> I, <here. laughs> I thought i was pretty good but I'm really just average. And it's like, wow, that was such a disappointing discovery. It's an important one to learn about (laughs) being a grown up. You you know what I mean?
0: Like, you know, maybe I don't got it.
2: You know, yeah. It's better to learn when you're 16 than at 60. Yeah. You know, like, hmm, all these years I didn't succeed because I'm really not that good. You never had that as an actor, you know, plodding along for as long as you did? no by by the time i committed to being an actor i was uh i was 23 years old when i said this is what i want to do yeah um i had gone two years in, uh, to college to to be a cop because i thought that was a pretty cool job get to carry a gun and tell people what to do and be physical with them i was very manly what you know?
0: ca- what killed that dream
2: uh, girls. Oh, okay. Yeah, you do not want to. You didn't want to die because you wanted to live for girls. Or- uh, no, actually, uh, the girls in theater classes were far prettier than the ones, and than the ones in in police science. <laughs> so you turned in your imaginary badge. Exactly <laughs> right. I said adios. I'm going here. <laughs> yeah. So my in- entire life's path. Yeah. Was chartered by the libido of a seventeen-year-old boy. Isn't it usually? I don't know. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's,
2: it's rather embarrassing to, to reflect back on that and to realize, yeah. so that's really why I got into acting was, was for the girls. All I did was dabble in, in a couple classes because I was on my track to, to be a policeman. That was my major. Yeah. And after two years, I was completely confused, left, rode around the country for a couple of years on a motorcycle you know, volunteering time at a, at at uh, at a theater in Daytona Beach, Florida.
0: Oh yeah, you made the whole you made the whole trek across country. Oh yeah, on a bike. Yeah yeah yeah. I oh. was gone
2: two years. What? So what year would that have been? Seventy six to seventy eight. So you were just like fuck it. Yeah. Now I'm going. Well, it was it was fight or flight. Yeah. And and I I I ran away. And your folks were like, see ya. Yeah, in, in essence, you know, they're kind of free-spirited. Yeah, so they were cool with it. So it was like, hey, be careful. Yeah. You know, so. You got a helmet? Yeah. My brother went with me because he was kind of in the same boat. He was going to be a cop as well and didn't, you know, it wasn't was quite right. So we both just ran away. You we got, ran away from
0: home. You got bikes? You both had bikes? Uh-huh. And, what? like, what'd you do? Did you do the whole sort of vision quest? Did you go to the Grand Canyon? Did you hike? Oh, take yeah. you have
2: mushrooms? What we, happened? We did all that. Except we, we didn't get into the drug world yeah i think because we're we were going to be cops it's like no that's a bad combination <laughs> yeah you know they 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 tend to frown on advancement when yeah, the cops sure. are loaded sure yeah um right so we we missed that whole uh experience and and you know i'm not uh nah, it's fine th- you know. that who knows what happened to your life then yeah yeah, know, yeah exactly you're, you're probably lucky you didn't do it yeah but i left i left california uh with about a hundred bucks in my pocket which quickly ran out gas yeah. and food, and it's like, hey, <laughs> I do. got nothing. So <laughs> Taki, we, Oklahoma, they <laughs> probably ran <out>. <laughs> earlier. <laughs> we, we Texas, uh, so we, we uh, got jobs yeah. in cafes and, and uh, carnivals and any pickup kind of job. Of course, back in the seventies, it was a lot looser. Yeah, you, some uh, cafe owner would say, oh, you want to bus tables? Mm-hmm. Bus tables. I'll yeah. feed you and pay you, you know, twenty bucks. You could work for okay. a couple of days. Yeah, you yeah. work like, oh, okay.
0: And what way to carnival? How, how did that pan out?
2: Um, we had worked in a carnival once before, uh, when it came to town cause they pick up transient workers all the time. Sure. And so they call them joints, you, those booths, you know? And so we worked in the joint, uh, the, the balloon in the darts, oh, oh, you know, okay. the dart, yeah, Sure. Yeah. the yeah, yeah. darts and, um, and made some good money. How'd you met? Was it a commission deal? You just pocketed yeah.
0: stuff? Oh, really?
2: A commission deal. So the more I... you can bring in. So yeah. it was
0: all based on your uh, your uh, your pitch skills. Exactly
2: right. So yeah. we were a pitchman. Hey, come on up, you know, you know, try this out. Hey, come on, sweetheart, try this. Out. And just you know, jabbering away to try to get as many people to play as possible. Did you meet
0: carnies? Were you hanging oh, yeah. out? Yeah,
2: yeah, we met a lot of carnies. It's a it's a very dark world, that Carney world. <laughs> so we knew we were outside of that line. Right. And they knew we were right. outside. So basically the ones the ones who are permanent members of the Carney world that travel with the carnival everywhere. Yeah. That's a different sect than the people who they pick up locally right they, there's there's a definite divide between the two yeah those are people on the lamb running from things exactly yeah, right
0: big stories that you can't get into oh yeah i
2: yeah. mean when we were working this joint uh, the balloon joint um our boss's name was ace yeah <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just ace ace that's it you can call me ace you know <laughs> Don't ask and any ace questions. one yeah you know, we were there for a week and a half and then ace all of a sudden was gone <laughs> And then this guy came around, who one of the owners of the things. Yeah. He was so pissed off. Are you guys, you guys know where he went. Did he tell you where he went? You know, and I went. No, 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 man. I don't If he, if you know where he went, you better tell me. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna kill that motherfucker. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. just going crazy. And you're it's like
0: 20 years old.
2: Yeah, it's like <laughs> I, I don't, I Time for you to go. Probably. Yeah, it's like let's. It's getting too, too hot here. Too weird. And then there's times when you're you're broke. Yeah. In Houston and other places, we, we stayed in missions, you know, where you park your bike on the street and uh-huh. you get in line uh-huh. and you have to be proselytized there right. and you're listening to the whole thing. and Except Jesus, here's some food. Except Jesus and, and his wafer. Here's <laughs> yeah. his body. Yeah. And uh, they lock the door and then you get in line to go take a shower and you're naked and you drop all your clothes and they, give, and they put all these clothes in a lockup. Yeah. Because they don't want them leaving at night. Yeah. So... So they lock them up and, uh, you know, we had been on the road for a couple of days. We thought our clothes might need a wash soon. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) The next morning it was like, oh, we could, we couldn't even stand it. We went right to the, to the laundromat and did laundry in our, in our shorts (laughs) Yeah, it's Bad. just, and then the, in the morning they feed you a gruel. Yeah. yeah, we felt like Oliver from well, yeah, the musical. Yeah. we like,
0: you just wanted to experience that, or you thought that was a, a, the no, the most we
2: expensive option. We or? were cheap, and we didn't have any money. It was <laughs> like, well, we can either spend thirty bucks for a cheap motel, <laughs> yeah. or go to the stay mission. one for free, and then be able to get on our way faster. I was like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. So you both ended up in Florida. Yeah, we ended up in Florida. We had relatives in Daytona Beach, and you did theater there, and we did theater there. Yeah. And that was and the
0: beginning of the, uh, the Brian Cranston acting journey.
2: It kind of was. Yeah. It really, really was there. How long did you stay over there? We stayed. We'll stay uh, uh, several months. Yeah. Build up our coffers. And then we take off and go up uh, on a trip all the way up north. We were wanted for murder once. No. Nah. Yeah. Yeah we, worked a, yeah. we worked at a Hawaiian restaurant called the Hawaiian Inn in Daytona yeah. Beach. Yeah. And, uh, they have a four show of any kind. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, you know, <laughs> you know, the, the hula girls yeah. and the the fire so you know, a, eaters and the, 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 the big uh, questionable hand slapping kind of there. thing. Yeah. You know? the uh, the head chef was a guy named Peter Wong, uh-huh. who hated everyone except the ladies. Loved the ladies. Sure. Hated every single man yeah. that ever he ever met. Yeah, and he was a, a tiny little man with a big shot complex, and he would carry a wad of cash with him and go play high high. Bet on that, and bet on the on the dog races and things like that, and yeah. visit hookers all yeah, the time, and, sure. and we, but and he was miserable. I mean, if he came up with a bad order, or God forbid, you made a mistake on an order, yeah. you're screwed. Yeah, you are screwed. Uh, he won't help you. He was a screamer. He was a screamer. He was angry all the time. He's ah, what you want? what you want go? Get out, go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. All the waiters and I we used to sit around talking about how we'd kill him. Yeah. How we chop him up in his own Mugu guy pan and sure. stir fry him and then serve him up, serve him to the dogs. You mm-hmm. know, it's so we're actually talking how we'd killed a man. Yeah. So the the season ends. We hop on our bikes. We take off. What we didn't know until we came back around months later is that just a few days before we left, uh, Peter went missing and they didn't know where he went. Mm-hmm. And so they're talking to everybody and then they found him in the trunk of a car, bludgeoned to death.
0: Oh God. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And apparently it was like, he was with a hooker, H- hooker, f- you know, saw the wad in his, in his pocket. And yeah. Not, yeah. And it wasn't his member. Yeah. And, uh, and set him up. A row of bills. Oh, yeah. yeah. And some guy, you know, so took him out, took him out and killed him and took his money and put him in the trunk. And so the, the cops come to the restaurant and go, anybody talk about killing the guy? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we kind of all did. <laughs> Anybody who's not here who talked about it, yeah the Cranston brothers they <laughs> they the gang they the took Cranston off the Cranston brothers gang they're on motorcycles and there was a, they put an APB out for oh, us oh shit they wanted us they they wanted to stop us from going too far out of the state so they could bust bust you so they can at least talk to us but they didn't catch us we didn't know we were being <laughs> sought yeah so we're just driving around and heading up north and up the eastern coast. And uh, and then all of a sudden they, they called it off because they threw clues they realized what had happened who it was and... they found the dude yeah isn't that weird though because like when I think about stuff or I, even in that
0: movie Drive when you think about what people do will do for, for very small sums of money it's frightening it, yeah. that, you know people get killed for nothing because that's the world that they live in yeah like I realized that last night it was just like, cause I actually thought about that movie when I woke up this morning ooh. Which is good. Yeah. Because uh, it's such an intimate cast. There's only a few characters, but it really, it, it's about crime in some in some way. And there's just that, how intimate crime can be and how cheap life
2: really is to some, some criminals is just baffling to me. And everybody has their own threshold. Yeah. So if if I said to you, uh, would you kill some guy for $500? What are you kidding? Right. But I could probably find someone. Sure. You could probably find that someone. That $500 is like... <laughs> <laughs> mm, that's a, that's a,
0: I would do it for less. That, that sort of moral uh, ambiguity thing, because yeah. you know, there's a lot of that in Breaking Bad that I, I don't know. I, I imagine you must think about. I do. As a performer.
2: Well, I do. And I think our show uh, asks that question, and it, you're seeing the answer to it, that everybody, any adult has, has asked or has been asked at a dinner party. What would you do for a million dollars? Right. How far would you go? What yeah. would you do? And, and when that stays in a hypothetical like that, you can easily cast it off and take the high road and say, well, I wouldn't break the law and I wouldn't do that. Sure. But if it was really there, if I laid out a million dollars in cash, untraceable right in front of you, you might have a little different answer. And then the other question is, what would you do if you had two years to live? Yeah. Both How those would you questions. live your life? Yeah. And so Walter white is exploring both of those those questions in this in the series now when you got that script I mean let's let's go back a, a little bit because uh, so you you know
0: after you do your motorcycle thing you come back here and you start you know, working in television did you take classes did you study oh yeah with who
2: well I studied and I studied here in Los Angeles uh, with Ivan Marcota with uh, Shirley Knight with uh, a bunch of different people um, and I I kind of took the I was so eager to get going yeah. that I took the, the path of, I'm going to go be a street collector. You know, I want to pick up as many things as I can from as many different teachers as I can. Uh, and you can do that here. Harry Master George was another, um, you know... Um, and what did you know, there, was there a whole circuit of dudes that you
0: were coming up with that were sort of showing up in different places... Like a, a generation yeah. of, of actors who are trying to break in?
2: Yeah, you see the same faces in commercial auditions and, and uh, you know on the rounds at different studios and television networks to, to audition for, for whatnot. But Ca- at that time, what was your goal? Did you care? I mean, you just wanted to be a working actor? Yeah, that's, that was the goal. Become a working actor. If I could make my living as an actor, that's a very successful life because very few people can really do that. Yeah. So that was the goal. And that was, I made that goal when I was 23 years old. And it wasn't like, I want to be a movie star, I want to do theater, I want to do
0: films. Right. I want to do television. It was just, I want to work. Right. I just want to work. Yeah.
2: And was that that was sort of the way your father was too, huh? Yeah, that's the way most actors are. Yeah. Really, most actors would just love the opportunity to, to work as an actor. And that's, you know, at, at whatever level that brings, I was willing to go. But if that was, meant I was living in a in a studio apartment with a roommate for the rest of my life. Well, then that's the way it was going to be. <laughs> but truly, but there was no like cuz I always wonder about that. I mean, doing a commercial
0: or doing something, there there must be you must see it as some part of an arc. You're not saying like, "Well, I'm going to do commercials for the rest of my life."
2: No, commercials were a means to an end. Commercials were my a waiter's job. Right. Um it paid into my health insurance, it sure. paid into my pension. Right. It gave me got you in the money. union. Yeah, it 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 did all that. And um, and it was great. I'll never never put down commercials. they they were a, a viable uh, option for young actors and and actors of any age. Right? And, and all of them have done it
0: one way. The, uh, there seems to be this weird trend with the bigger movie stars who don't do American commercials, but then they're in you know Australia or Japan, right? You know, pushing pomegranate soda or whatever. Exactly kind of right. Yeah. So when do you remember your first uh, TV gig or movie gig? Uh, yeah, I I. I've done a lot,
2: I think, um, I know I can't i like I looked at your I mean chips was your first yeah one. chips um and i just I just had dinner with Chris Pine, yeah, yet last night, and his dad, Robert Pine, was a regular on chips, and we talked about that, Is this, that
0: show, so, so there's this whole have you do you like there are a lot of guys that are part of this community of actors that you've known
2: for years? There's that and then it grows and then yeah. you know, it expands. And yeah. you start to appreciate someone else's work and you want to meet them and But when you got you know, chips you were probably working.
0: like, Yeah, fuck yeah. Absolutely. I got chips. It was a great job.
2: <laughs> and it was an extremely popular show I know, back in I the remember. day. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you just started doing episodic work over and over again. Well you, you start out by doing what they call a under five, you know, here here's a line here and right. a line there. Right. Then you work your way up to a co starring Role that is, you know, clerk number two, where yeah. you have a few lines, right. or you've Seen a couple times, and then you work your way up to a guest starring role, and at, that was the that was the chain you were climbing. Yeah. And then once you get to the guest star level, you never want to dip below that. So you you make the rounds once again, doing all the shows you can at a guest star level, and then from there you want to, you know, hopefully get a shot at at doing, uh, you know, uh, auditioning for a, a series regular or. In in the case of films, you know, just meeting more and more directors and having an opportunity to do good work and hopefully work with them again.
0: So there was was there points at the in the career though where you were like this this isn't you know happening fast enough or this isn't working out. No,
2: really, no. That's amazing uh, a sort of determination. <laughs> well, I think it's because I, I didn't have any attachment to an outcome. I think when people enter this business with that, like, like you'll hear people say, I'm going to give it a year. I'm going to give it a good solid year. <laughs> and if I haven't made it by then, and I'm saying, what do you mean? What's make it? What, yeah. do, what does that mean? Made, right. it. Haven't made it. And so everybody has their different idea. But that's uh, attaching your life to an outcome of some you know, ambiguous amb- 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 kind of way. Yeah. Um, but if you commit, if you love this art form, and you commit your life to it, then all you really want is opportunity to be able to make a living. And however that takes you it, it in its circuitous roots, you know, yeah, it's never A to B to C to D. It's sure. Uh, it's always a different way. Well,
0: I mean, it's 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 must be thrilling now. I mean, at, how old are you now? fifty five I mean you had this amazing success with Malcolm in the middle. That was a huge show yeah a hilarious show. People love that show. people love you on that show. It was sort of a it was a groundbreaking comedy in the way it was constructed and it was darkly funny and, and good and and that was a very specific role and then for was there a point because I know obviously you made enough money to to you know to be pretty comfortable with that mm-hmm. and there there there's part of me that thinks like well, after that's done, I mean was there a moment where you're like, well, I could hang out
2: were <laughs> you were you No, uh, I don't I I'm a guy who who I love to act. Yeah. So I I love all parts of it. Yeah. I, I actually love to work on scenes and perform. Yeah. Um and so I didn't there's the idea of retiring from that, you know, because makes you might have secured yourself yeah. financially. Yeah. Didn't make sense to me. Now, that being said, after Malcolm in the Middle ended, I had no idea that, that an opportunity like Breaking Bad would come along. I mean, that was out of left field. Did you ever do any
0: other kind of performing when you were like younger? Did you ever do uh, uh, a lot of
2: plays or stand-up or anything? I did stand-up comedy when I was uh, 22 years old. I did it for nine months because, and only because it scared me. So I thought, uh, the only way I can get out from under this fear or this, you know, this, sort of dichotomous f- attraction yeah. to it and, and and also rejection of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought, I just better just do this. Where'd you do it? I did it all over the place. In Back in the day, in early 80s, it was uh, the Playboy Club, Laugh Stop, uh, certainly the improv, the comedy store, open mic nights. I never was paid for it, nor should I have been. Right. I was only mediocre. I, I rose to the level of mediocrity in my stand-up career. Do you remember your jokes? Oh, sure. I mean, my, my, my biggest jokes were, you know, it, I would say, you know, it seems to me that, uh, that uh, <laughs> Detroit is having problems attracting men to buying new cars. And I said, well, I have a simple solution to this. It's easy. Just name the new cars after women's body parts. <laughs> And men will buy it. For instance, it's the you know the all new Ford nipple. Yeah. You know the perky little nipple. Is it if you're looking for safety, nothing can be safer than the foreign import, the vulva. <laughs> did you? But did if you, you some... really want performance, slip into a Dodge vagina. <laughs> hey, yeah. Once you get inside a vagina, you'll never want to get out. And lo, mmm, it has that new <laughs> vagina smell. Yeah. You know, what I mean? it's like.
1: Did you so, write that? Yeah,
2: of course. <laughs> uh, who else would write that crap? <laughs> was that your closer that was the closer uh-huh. yeah that's how bad it was no, that was, it's a that joke. was the closer <laughs>
0: you, you probably got laughs
2: i did yeah and, but it's so it's so fickle and i have such tremendous respect for for all the stand-ups you know who who dedicate and do it well i've worked with many of them uh and and you know the, how long it takes to really get a feel for it knowing what kind of jokes how to structure the joke how to abandon a joke if it's not going well and go to another I mean it's really your thought yeah. process is eject really, <laughs> is clicking so fast when you're up we well, you did
0: well, uh, you got pretty well known for a recurring role on Seinfeld yeah so you work with Jerry a bit right who uh, you know as an actor was sort of different than he is as a stand-up he, you know, he surrounded himself with a lot of funny people, and it took him a while to get the hang of acting. I think, as a stand-up, seeing other stand-ups and having a little acting experience myself, we're a little too self-conscious sometimes. Yeah, and
2: uh, it takes us a while to to ease into that. I don't know if Jerry actually got the hang of acting. I mean, yeah. Jerry was doing Jerry. Yeah, uh, funny guy, and and it was a, a coup for me really to be able to get that role as as Tim Watley, the dentist on yeah. Seinfeld. And watch them work yeah. and see the influence that Jerry has and Larry David had and just the, how the dynamic of that whole worked. You well,
0: know? did that help you in, in coming into uh, doing a comedic role that sort
2: of defined that middle part of your career? Yeah. It did. It Well, what it really did is Seinfeld you know, started out very slow. It wasn't yeah. a big hit. Right. Brandon Tartikoff said, no, I like the show. It stays on despite the low ratings and... Um and he saw something in it, and then it 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 found its legs and it became this iconic probably probably the best sitcom ever ever made uh-huh um because it was the first sitcom that I can recall where ev all four main characters had an agenda on every show, whereas other sitcoms got an have, a story and a b, b story yeah. yeah. And people are sitting around yeah. having coffee all the time. Yeah. Whereas those four were constantly sure. doing something, going somewhere, had it, had an agenda, and then how it all wrapped up near the end and yeah. intersected each other, and it was brilliant, hard to do. That Larry David brilliantly written buttoning that thing up, unbelievable.
0: But in terms of acting comedy, I mean, it's like when you said that you know he's uh, he was playing himself. So he had to learn how to play himself yeah. in an in a ensemble situation, which is yeah. difficult for comics to talk to other people. And, and to give stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and not to feel like it's... But see, they,
2: Jerry's smart. He knew how
0: to do that. Yeah, he, he definitely did. really knew did. how to do yeah, that. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a smart thing to do. Now, w- when you act, like, because you, you're aware enough to know that, so what are some of the, the things that you engage, you know, as an actor, that when you step up, I mean, how do you, to make a shift into a character because it seems that like talking to you now and good actors and certainly character actors seem to have themselves in place. You're going to bring yourself to wherever you're going to go. But what, what kind of things, what are some tools you use when you start to act?
2: Well, the first, first thing I like to do is to find the emotional core Uh without sending too you know, uh, lofty about it but yeah. it's find the emotional core of who who you're playing what that what is he where does everything spring from for instance in uh in Malcolm in the Middle my character Hal his emotional core was fear yeah he was afraid of everything okay he was afraid of failing as a husband <laughs> as a father afraid of getting fired uh-huh. you know afraid of heights then it, it, oh afraid of people walking in the room afraid of spiders afraid of, you know yeah and so a lot of comedy was able to spring from that but what it does for the actor is it grounds you. It gives you a point of reference to come from. Your point of view is strongly set. Right. And it's not you know lifting up into the heavens. You it's in your body. You're not floundering. Right. Yeah. So if you can find that point of view, it gives you anchor points to to ground you so that when you're reading a script, you know how your character would respond or deliver a line or how they would feel about someone else's You know conversation or that sort of thing so you just
0: show up with your own emotional equipment then you find the core of the emotion of the character
2: that drives it and then you temper it by the script right and then it's also tempered by by the other actors and by the director and you you massage it and work it into a place that that makes sense for everyone concerned that that feeds the text yeah so you could be doing a brilliant performance of a character and yet how does that help the story? How does that feed into the dynamic of the the story, the tempo of it? And it may be out in left field. That's why when sometimes you see a movie, and it seems like a character or two are in a different movie, the tone, the the style is like, it, it's that's a director's fault for allowing it to go spin out of control. Or yeah, and sometimes things are shot
0: without other people around. Do they right. got to do pickups, and you have to capture an emotion that right. isn't engaging with somebody right. else? So, okay, so now, in terms of doing comedy, in terms of uh, acting comedy, um, what do you do? You have a preference? I mean, do you like to do comedy? I do. Or, uh, so, because I got a big question. Like, I guess we should talk about Breaking Bad now, but I, I'd like to talk about directing that movie of yours. What, what was that called?
2: The movie I directed? Yeah. Last Chance. And you wrote that as well? Yeah. And what was that about? It was a, a gift to my wife. Uh, it was about... A woman who doesn't feel she has any choices or options in her life, and it really is how we perceive things, that options are always available to us if we are able to stand back and look at it from a different perspective. And, you, and that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> so it empowered her as a character, and uh-huh. thus- And she's an actress? Yeah. And that's empowering women in general. It was it was for that. And can you get that on uh, Netflix? Yeah it's available. And it was a uh, well Last received. Last chance. It was. We won several awards around the country. Very it's a micro budget. Mm-hmm. You know, but the I think the story is strong, the characters are good. And uh you know, I and and I literally finished editing the movie when I was told by the producer who came in we are officially out of money. <laughs> it's like the we're done
0: and we're done.
2: and yeah. we're done. <laughs> yeah you know so I mean it's not the way you want to do it. I would have loved to have gone back in there and trim and do some other things, but, but it is what it is and uh, and that's fine and, and the, the story is there. yeah. you'll forgive most people will forgive other elements of filmmaking if the story is compelling and if the if the characters are engaging. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Is that something you want to do more of? Yes, I'm. I I always write, and you know, but I'm very particular and very tough on myself to be able to want to let my material get out there. And it's not until I feel it's really ready. Are you so, Are you a good judge of that? Uh, I actually am. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and I'm not too hard on myself. I, I I I I write it. Yeah. I never ever show anyone a first draft. No, nobody, nobody. Huh. I let it sit for a month or so yeah, and then come back at it with fresh eyes and then go, what are you thinking, and red line everything, and and then take another crack at it, and that becomes my new first draft. Are you writing a movie now? Yeah. What's it about? Ah, it's a cool one. Yeah, that's all you got? It's really cool, yeah. Yeah. It's a a father-son relationship movie that also has a a murder uh, storyline. In the background, I mean, uh-huh. so it's kind of both, and they're they're needed because the murder and the murderer uh, present a, a you know a, a threat to the existence of our father and son, and it's in a little town, and it's the the dynamics of a little town, and how gossip spreads and that sort of thing, and it's oh wow. whispers, and it's very sexy, and uh, and how close are you to finishing? I'm done with a draft, and now it's uh, now it's time to. To shop it around and and um, and see what can come of it. Now, is that kind of stuff easier for you now? Easier to get it. Uh, yeah, to get you know, money to shop. Well, things around it's easier to, to have a door open, but um, it doesn't mean that it's you know it's going to <laughs> not be slammed in your face. <laughs> right. Uh, but the you know there are doors open to that, and so I'm I'm able to get my scripts around and and have people. It's a very very long process. It takes I know, I've years heard, to develop. It just sounds crazy. It is. It's, it's, it's To get very money tough. together and then to pull yeah. a
0: production together. So how much time was there between
2: Malcolm in the Middle and Breaking Bad? A year. That was it. Yeah, we finished in we finished in May of 06 and then in uh well, I did the pilot of Breaking Bad in in March of 07. Yeah. And um, and it aired in January of eight, I think, yeah.
0: and were you when they what was the process around that did you audition for that role? Were you offered that role, or how did that come about?
2: This is something I always like to talk about with young actors and and, and not so young actors, yeah it's it's, it's about having faith uh, and and the knowledge that do all you can be ready but you, you, every single successful actor has needed a healthy dose of luck in order to become successful. Right. I'm absolutely 100% firm and assured on that. You can't manufacture that. Can't manufacture it, but yeah. you can be ready for it. Sure. Um, I was shooting this movie, Last Chance, in the desert. Your movie. Yeah. Yeah. It pushed several times. Yeah. Weeks, weeks, weeks. Yeah. We finally got it together and said, we got to do it now. Yeah. We did it. I came back in. 3 days after I got back to Los Angeles and start editing I get a call from my agent who Sorry. says um uh, look I don't know if you want to do auditions or not because uh, there's something up on X-Files that you're right for if you want to No no I definitely do want to go cuz I'm broke Yeah i You dumped I, all your money in the movie I dumped all my money it was like I I have nothing let's I need to get a You job. went into the movie? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah I need to, I need to get yeah. a job. So X-Files a, a real son of a bitch kind of character named crump yeah on on a on an episode named uh, called drive ironically yeah Yeah. and it it takes place where there's a there's a bug in this guy's head and unless david duchovny drives 80 miles an hour in a westerly direction my head will explode (laughs) anything less than that my head will you know will will start to get more and more pain and if he stops my head explodes what was the emotional core of that character oh pain (laughs) (laughs) deep deep pain um (laughs) <laughs> so what that was written by a man named vince gilligan vince gilligan is the creator and writer of breaking Bad. right but at the time he was the writer and producer of this episode of x files that i was just doing that episode that he wrote that episode he was not a regular writer no he was epi- a regular okay. writer but okay you're assigned every yeah, so often yeah right and i just so happened to meet yeah. him there on his episode the, the, what shows you the nuance of, of Vince Gilligan is that he wrote this character to be a, a miserable son of a bitch. this anti-Semite, this horrible, horrible man who, who is prodding Duchovny the whole time. And if, if he wrote this character as a nice person... Well, of course, the audience would say, yeah, David, save him. He's a nice man. We like to see him save. Yeah. But you're not invested in that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's an easy choice for your lead actor. Right. Instead, he wrote him as this horrible son of a bitch, which put an emotional dilemma in the middle of his main character. He wanted more than anything. I'm just, I just pull over. Let this guy die. <laughs> Let this guy die. What, yeah. do, what am I? He's an it. He's an ass. Yeah. But for the, for the main character, emotionally, you, you put that question in. Is this man worth saving simply because he's a human being? That that moral dilemma was firmly planted in our lead character. It's uh-huh. brilliant. Yeah. It was a little tiny change. Yeah. But he also felt that my character had to be somewhat sympathetic despite my aggression and, and behavior. So flash forward ten years, he writes this little speck about and he and his buddy said, What if we what if they caught us that they said, You can't write? Get out of here. You can't do this anymore. What yeah. would we do? We'd we'd go buy a, a trailer and an R V and go out in the middle of the desert and cook crystal meth. <laughs> and then he started thinking about it. He said, Hey, do you mind if I run with that? He goes, No, I'll take it. So Vince starts writing. He said, Well, what would make a man do that? A criminal. Yeah, but that's what you'd expect. What wouldn't you expect? A family man. Oh, okay. You know, and, and, and so he kept going at it that way and wrote this spec was never gonna be done. Until the advent of uh, and, and the and the and the growth of cable television, you know, beyond HBO and and Showtime, but the smaller thing that, for instance, AMC, their their basic mandate was if it could be shown on NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, we don't want it. Right. We need to have product that you can't find anywhere. Else. So this script was sitting around for a while. Yeah, he wrote it and it was just kind of sitting, and <clears throat> you know, he had some su- he had a lot of success with with uh, X Files, and they said, uh, "What else you got?" And his agents sent and it was developed at FX, right. And they paid him to flush it out and write it and turn it in, get notes and just do the pilot script. Yeah. And uh they ended up getting a little cold feet perhaps on that or thought it was just it's just too weird, it's not going to work. It's a mind-blowing Well, how before I lose it. How did you invest
0: some uh sympathetic uh, attributes into that character? The screaming guy whose
2: head was about to explode. Well, I, I think because he's still a human being. Right. And a lot of times people are lashing out because they're fearful themselves. Yeah. And he was. He was afraid of dying. And so he's trying to act tough and, and create this false bravado. And I think you see through that that paper lion type of performance, you know, and go, oh, no, this guy, it's tough, but he's in a lot of pain. He's afraid. And that's something that almost happens on an unconscious level. Well, it was conscious for me. Right, no, but when you're yes, watching it. It should happen on an unconscious level, on a subliminal level to the audience to have for some reason have some some measure of sympathy for this this jerk. Yeah, because that's the tricky thing
0: about Walter tricky. White. Uh, yeah. in that, okay, so he he develops it at FX and then what happens? They, they don't want it. They don't want it. They freak they, out. They let it go.
2: Yeah. It was shopped at HBO, Showtime, TBS, everybody turned it down. Yeah. So Vince thought, "Oh, it's exactly what I thought. No one's going to do this." Okay. And just move on. But there was a there was an, a junior executive at FX who left FX and went to AMC named Jeremy Ellis. A really good guy and now he's he's uh he left AMC and he's now uh gosh, I'm trying to remember where he went, but he's uh He's, he's a really good guy. And he, yeah. he the first thing he did when he went to AMC was, that weird story about the high school chemistry teacher, is that still out there? Let's get that in here. And AMC was looking for new, fresh ideas. And uh, Mad Men hadn't aired yet. They were, they were just about to premiere that. And in fact, Mad Men's pilot was one of the deciding factors for me when I was negotiating for this. I saw the quality of that product and the storytelling yeah. Yeah. and the richness of it and I yeah. thought, Well if, if this is what they're doing, then sign me up.
0: So you read the script at that point?
2: Oh yeah, I read the 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 pilot what script. What was your for first reaction back. to breaking Bad? Uh I called my agent right away. Well, first of all, I read straight through. Yeah. And that's unlike most pilots. Right. Most pilots you go, Oh, he's a doctor, he's having sex with one of the nurses. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I think I'll make some tea. Yeah. Or I think I'll call this person back, and then I'll get sure. back to him. You're, just, you're not compelled to get back to it. Yeah. Breaking Bad was one page after another. Boom, boom, boom. Couldn't boom. stop. Couldn't stop. All the way through. Called my agent immediately, and yeah. they, they said, uh, we have it set up for next week. I said, see if you can set up for this week. To audition. Yeah. Uh-huh. I said, well, it's not an audition. You're just meeting with him. He knows you, and he wants to see you Yes. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember what he looked like. I'm going... That was 10 years ago. I was like, really? I don't really remember. Yeah. And um, so sure enough, I go in there and I'm loaded for bear because the hardest work that an actor has ever done and ever has to do is on poorly written material. The easiest work that we do is on when it's good. You can Be- trust it. You trust it, and it seeps into your yeah. psyche and your soul. Yeah, you just you daydream about it. You yeah. you dream at night about it. <laughs> you know, it's it, you can't help it. Yeah, it comes in. You're excited. You're excited about yeah. it. So I was excited about it. I I went in there and I pitched him how I think he walks and uh, what he wears and how his hair is and what, what 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 where'd you go
0: with all that? What what were your models in your head? What was your how what were the well? Feelings I just around the that?
2: feeling was is that this man has gone to seed. He's given up. Right. He's uh, depressed because of missed opportunities in his life. He's a 50-year-old man. And proud. Proud, but depressed. Yeah. Loves his wife. Yeah. Has a special needs son with CP yeah. at 16. Yeah. Needs to have a second job in order to pay for the physical therapy that yeah. my insurance wouldn't cover. Right. But he's willing to do it. He's willing to do it what what choice do I have? I do what I have to do, right, like many many people around the world, yeah, so he's very relatable from right. that sense right We got to know him as a man, a family man who's trying to make the best of of a tough life, mm-hmm. a paycheck to paycheck life
0: and this was your this was your feelings on the pilot,
2: yep, mm-hmm. and I pitched him that, and I pitched him how he would look, uh that he should wear you know pale yellows and and taupe and and sand color and you know just cream just blend into the walls he should be invisible to himself and to the world Mm -hmm. and along with our makeup artist Frida Valenzuela we designed my mustache Mm -hmm. by by the way your mustache is far too manly Mm -hmm. okay
0: you want me to take it down a notch
2: well I had a mustache like that when I walked into the makeup and hair trailer and I said to Frida we need to figure out how to make this Impotent uh-huh. <laughs> was my word. Impotent. I want to look like a, a like it's uh-huh. you. I want people to look at my mustache as Walter White when I first started and say, "What's the point?" Yeah, <laughs> well, either grow it or shave it. What? Do you, what is that? Right? Yeah. And it, it it was indicative of his of how he felt. He didn't care. Yeah. He gave up. Yeah. He always had a mop of hair that had no. We took the color out of my hair. Any kind of highlights. It's just pale brown. then it carried on into the car the car was repainted to to that flat avocado oh god right so So this this is all your these
0: these were your create this was your creative input in talking
2: to in talking to vince and then it then that expands to incorporate other things how his life is
0: Um, so when now let's get back to that core thing what was the what was your instincts initially
2: on the core of this dude that was what was so troubling for me is that I was trying to find, I knew he was invisible, I knew he was depressed, but I couldn't get to the core because, and then I realized after trying to find my way in, yeah, I realized, oh, I know why, because he doesn't even know. Huh. He's so calloused over from years after years of covering, 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 not allowing his emotions yeah. to come out. wow. To being numb, he was numb Mm -hmm. that he had none, and then all of a sudden the diagnosis, that two years to live. He's going to cook crystal meth, be selfish, make as much money for his family as he can before he dies, and then check out. That's the plan. Simple plan. Now when everything explodes, that's when his emotional core. Just exploded like a volcano, yeah, and lava and chip everywhere, yeah, so now it's just a mess, and you see Walter White, his emotional life is just a mess he's he's constantly in anxiety now, yeah, but
0: that when you started to build this character in the pitch, all you had to go on was a pilot, right. Nothing had been written yet, right you, there was no discussion of arcs or story
2: arcs or or well, how these relationships would grow, there was one thing that he said to me. Which is which got me excited and realized that what he just said has never happened before in the history of television. Which is? Oh, I can't tell you that. No, I can't. <laughs> no. We'll go to commercial and come right back. Um, yeah, that's like the cue for the commercial break. Um, what it was, he said, I want to take this guy and turn him from Mr. Chips to Scarface. Yeah. And I'm looking at him like, What? Yeah. He goes, I want to change right before our eyes as the series goes on. And by the end of the series, I want to make him from this family man, nice guy, depressed, uh, trying to do the right thing, never got a ticket before in his life kind of guy, and have a set of circumstances that constantly feed him, that change his emotional core to a bad guy, breaking bad. Right. Right. And that was the whole point. And I thought, this is unique. This has never been done. And you is don't it, even know what... You is know, it possible? Right. Will it, it work? Mm-hmm. And the danger of that, just, I said, this is what, I got to do this. I got to do this. Anything, any way I can attach myself. And I kept, you know, told the agency, and they knew, and we're trying to angle for them to offer it to me. Yeah. But Sony, our our studio... Uh, at, as supportive as they were for the project in as a whole they were a little dubious about me and ing- why well because i was the goofy dad on malcolm in the middle right so he's not right for walter white what do they know right yeah. but that's what that's what vince was yeah. saying no he's right. an actor this right. is what he does he can do this trust me trust me trust me and they're going we should test we should test and amc is saying the same thing I don't know. It's like, oh god. So what did it come down to? Uh, how did the deal go down? There there the stars aligned. I got a call from Fox where Malcolm in the Middle was on for 7 years. Yeah. And Peter Laguri, who was the head of Fox at the time, called me and said, "Brian, I have a I have a pilot offer for you. I want to I want you to be in this pilot called Nurses." be the head of the department and your daughter is one of the head nurses and yeah. you have a bad relationship you're trying to mend and this whole thing and it's like a sitcom no it was an hour long kind of oh. uh, sexy graze anatomy oh, okay. kind All of right. thing you know yeah so i said anytime anybody wants you to do so oh great thank you peter i'll well, let me take a look at it and, and i read it and i go okay it's not bad but it's not breaking bad yeah it Nothing was Breaking so Bad. So now you had a little leverage. So now yeah. we go to the agency and yeah. we say, is there any way we can get this news out that I've been offered this other pilot uh-huh. and that Breaking Bad might lose me if I take this other pilot? Can we get that word out? yeah. And without without making an announcement if can we filter it yeah and they're all putting their heads together yeah yeah we can do that and sure enough the word gets out and fox is waiting they got a deadline you got to tell us you got to let us know are you going to accept this are you going to accept this and finally we said no because uh sony called and said he doesn't have to test if he wants breaking bad it's his ah oh, what a day what a day
0: because that part, I, I tell you, man, you, you know, I don't get locked into a lot of television, and this uh, this thing, I've never watched a show where every episode you have no idea what the fuck is going to happen. <laughs> like, there's there's no way, and it's been that yeah. way since the beginning. Every episode, I'm like, I, I, you can't even, you can barely even speculate. Yeah. you can speculate a little now. Yeah, like we're gonna, we people are gonna be listening to this show when there's one episode left of this season. There's two episodes. Like, I just watched uh, uh, the last one. And, you know, so there's really no spoiler other than the final episode. I don't know what, I can't, I don't know what the, you know, I don't even want to ask you because I'm excited about watching it. But what I want to talk about this character as it's evolved with you, you know, given what you started with, that it's, it's a lot about what you were talking about with that role you did with this guy originally. That how do you make this guy who's clearly becoming morally more and more, you know, bankrupt on some level, but you still like him. Like I'm one, you know, there, I guess there's a couple camps on this because I had a discussion with someone else who, you know, they like everybody else, but you know, Walter White causes him trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean, he causes me trouble, but, but how,
2: how are you going to redeem this guy? Well, remember, remember the, the story about X-Files with putting the moral dilemma in your central character. What Vince Gilligan has done with Breaking Bad is put the moral dilemma in the audience right which had you haven't i mean we've dealt with moral uh, ambiguity before like that you look at dexter and you look at damages and you look sopranos. at sopranos you know sopranos and rescue me and you see these characters that come out that are questionable and have and have tremendous faults and they're trying to overcome what we did in the beginning of breaking bad and what we talked about we knew we had had to do we had to set the hook that you related to this man, that you felt for this man, or you knew him—that that you knew him—that this guy, this poor bastard, and what he's got to go through—I feel for him. And all of a sudden, we've got you, and then you start rooting for him to to cook crystal meth and get away with it, and then, then you stop yourself and go, "Wait a minute, what am I saying? What am I what?" And now he's gonna—we're—we're we're challenging the audience. If Vince Gilligan's intention was to create a character which is on the minds of most uh networks and studios it's to create characters that you continue to be challenged by perhaps but you will always like you know you can't lose your likability you can't how are you going to still like you how are we so i get that question a lot and the the freshness of breaking bad is that we're not asking for that we're not asking for you to continue to like walter white we we got you early on if you've been a viewer from the beginning we we have that sympathy there and as as the seasons go on that sympathy starts to erode and now you're far down the road with me and you're wondering am i morally bankrupt in watching this guy and rooting for, where where is my what am i thinking and where are we going and it creates that water cooler conversation of you hate that guy. You hate Walter White. Yeah, he's a, he's a criminal now. Yeah. and some people hate Skyler White, and it's like she's in his face all the time, and right. she should get out of his. And and other people saying, how can you hate her? Her husband's lying to her. He he. Right. She wants him safe, and she wants him home. You know. So how can you? You know. So that's exactly what you want to create. Right.
0: But as an actor, I mean, you must have been like like as this script evolved. I have to assume yeah I mean, you've won what three Emmys for this yes. for this role, yes, that you know, given what you knew at the beginning and not knowing exactly how he was going to do what he said he was going to do, although it must have been it obviously was very compelling, was that there were narrative turns in this thing that must have just been fucking thrilling hmm. when you saw the script, oh, like like that when you start to realize that you know out of his pride, he turned his back on millions of dollars. I mean the depth that you were able to, to to go with that character at that moment must have been like this is a
2: gold mine. It is. You um, they part of the agreement that we have with the audience is that we're going to we're going to expose them to the to the disintegration of this man body and soul. Not just how he's physically uh, you know def- killing people or you know becoming uh, this aggressive kind of guy but also emotionally how he's sold his soul how he's lost his soul how he's lost his his moral compass uh getting into avarice and his lust for money lust for power his ego all those things are a part of it and we're exposing the audience to all of that which is which is the right way to go well right now i mean at the where we are at this in this season this is
0: last week was uh will be two weeks ago when he listened to this was the first time that he actually had some sort of uncontrollable emotional reaction about his 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 actions yeah and it was it was about jesse now what i want to know and what's been really that i never hear talked about is that the dynamic between you and aaron right that's Mm -hmm. his name aaron paul is fucking hilarious (laughs) now but it's genuine. It, there are comedy team dynamics that occur with you guys, yeah, and that and, and also reoccur with other characters. Like you know, Odenkirk you know, is a comic actor, and and I think that there's something that 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 tempers that character because of his. Comedic uh, instincts. He's not trying to be funny, no. But it's just his nature. Yeah. And I think that for the he plays, Saul. Yeah. Yeah. For the, the the first two seasons of this thing, the back and forth between you and Jesse, you know, borders on vaudevillian sometimes. Well,
2: that's it, it came about uh, quite by accident because the role of Jesse was intended to be killed off in the second or third episode of the first season. Mm-hmm. But after the pilot, and we saw how well. Uh, Aaron Paul handled that character and what it did to the, to the teaming, you, you had these two people who would never under any other circumstances have any business being w- together. Yeah. And, that and that's hilarious. Oil and water. It, 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 it's, yeah. that's where comedy comes from. It's yeah. like that oil and water, uh, coupling is, is, is fascinating. It gives both perspectives and, uh, and creates an lot- opportunity for some dark humor. And you guys were aware of that? We became very aware during the pilot. Uh-huh. When he was chiding me, and I'm like, you don't... Are you kidding me? You're using a round-bottom boiling flask for titration? What an idiot! Yeah. yeah. You know, and he's looking at me like, what did you just say? Who's the idiot? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so we have two
0: different worlds colliding. And now, in terms of uh, Vince's, the the creator and the writers, are they... So they are aware that there is comedy in this thing. Oh very aware it's 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 laid
2: layered in there well, it, be, it is so yeah. I just wanted to be confirmed on that. Oh yeah no it's it's I think any good dramatic writing has a, a, a nice dose of levity. And conversely, any good comedy has some sincerity to it and some pathos yeah so that it gives the audience a chance to catch their breath and to, and to see that these characters and this plot is rooted in something real which makes it which makes it more important and there's those scenes where when you start wearing that outfit that the choice of
0: that hat yeah that there's something that reminded me of you know, McCabe and Mrs Miller and, and just the power of the that I mean that was a funny hat yeah i mean there's almost something chaplin like about it that you know you're playing yeah. a badass but it's uh, i know but isn't
2: it interesting how how it now f- feels different yeah. That when you wear that pork pie hat. Yeah. Some mayhem is about to start. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I liked it because, um, Walter White needed those things to make him feel different. And that's why he kept his bald head because he didn't recognize the man in the mirror, even though his oncologist told him, well, you're in remission, your hair is going to grow back. You're uh-huh. going to gain your weight back. Uh-huh but he kept, and there was a, one, a very important scene in the second season, I think his second season, where he sees the razor and sees the stubble starting to grow on his head, and he shaves it off because now his life has changed, and he's this other guy. He didn't. He doesn't want to look like the teacher Walter White. He wants to look like Heisenberg. In some way, it gives him permission. In some way, it gives him allowance to go there. Yeah, and the, the guy who plays um, Hank, yeah, Dean Norris, what a what a fucking performance he's doing! Yeah, I mean everybody is so damn good. Good, thank you. Yeah, I'll I'll let them know. Oh yeah, no, I won't. No, I'll keep it on. all to myself. No, I mean I'm blown <laughs> away, by it. I mean,
0: do do we now? Is there another season coming?
2: Yeah, we have uh, sixteen more episodes after this fourth season.
0: Oh my God, 16 are we going Is there? Are we going to get a little closure? I mean, are we. Is, like, oh, the, it's uh,
2: it'll come to an end, my, my brother. It'll come to an end. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about that. So, you now know the full arc of the series? No, I don't know any of it. Oh, but I, I never knew it from the beginning. But you know, obviously, you've shot the two we're going to, or the one more that we're going to see this Sunday. Oh, yeah. I know this year. Yeah, of course. You want me to give you a little tease? I won't tell you anything about it. But of I'll the finale? You, yeah. Yeah. The, the tease of the finale. Yeah. Coming up yeah. on Breaking Bad season finale. Yeah. There is an, oh, my God moment. Yeah. Almost near the end. It's like, hold your head, you can't believe what you just saw. Really? Yeah. Oh, um, man. Then, yeah. there's a scene with two characters that tie up some loose ends, uh-huh. answer a couple of the questions that were lingering, uh-huh. and that's resolved. And then almost insignificantly, almost f- forgettable, the last scene, there is no dialogue. There are no actors. It's an, a familiar exterior scene if you've watched the show you'll you'll recognize the the place a, exterior shot and you don't even know really what you're looking at you're looking at some of it's like yeah so uh-huh and the camera slowly pushes in pushes in pushes in and you don't even know where it's going it's uh, it's innocuous yeah and then all of a sudden it rests on an object uh-huh and once you recognize and understand the meaning of that object yeah you hold your head once more and go, no! Holy shit, no! <laughs> Blackout. End yeah. of the season. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that's gonna now in the, in the whole period of working on. I mean, has this been the most rewarding thing you've ever done?
2: It really has. I mean, in, in in
0: many ways. What What did you learn about yourself as an actor in doing this? I mean, was this like what? Like, I don't know how to really frame that question, but you seem to be like really hitting your stride in terms of giving this opportunity to, mm-hmm. to build this guy. And now it seems like movies are coming your way and you've really got control over, you know, deep control of your craft. Mm. You must be grateful as hell one for one thing. But what do you like? What, what was the most exciting thing about doing this? I mean, we in during the arc of this, this, uh, of this show. What was, were there moments where you're like, Holy shit. I mean, this is like the greatest thing I've ever
2: done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I knew that if somehow, some way, this show manages to get on the air and is successful and stays mm-hmm. on the air, mm-hmm. that whoever got the role of Walter White, it will change their life. Just because it was such an amazing Just character. an amazing character. And to know that he was going to go from one type of person to another completely changed. Well, now, even, the, even after you tell me the arc of what happens and now
0: knowing there's 60 more episodes, I see where we are in this season. I don't see the end line. I don't see
2: it. Good. <laughs> I don't know where it's going to go either. Because my, because my experience on this has been such a journey. How soon do you get the scripts? Uh, we get the scripts uh, a week and a half or two weeks in advance. No. I only read it a week in advance. It still gives me time to raise any questions or clarify anything that's a little confusing or vague or whatever. With the
0: director? Uh, with, with the creator? No, with, with Vince? Vince. Yeah. And this is still all his baby.
2: Oh, yeah. Now, we have a great writing staff, and they're assigned specific episodes. Yeah. And then we have a great, you know, core of, of directors who come in and and get the tone. They get the show. You
0: directed a couple?
2: Uh-huh. That must have been fun. It is fun. It's a lot of hard work. And I'm going to do one more, I think, before all is said. It's and different back. than film directing because it's sort of a little quicker, isn't it? A lot quicker. <laughs> you have eight days. We have eight days to shoot an episode of Breaking uh-huh. Bad. And we're... On location, about five of the eight, and inside our stages, about three of three of the eight. So, it's it's very challenging. Every single episode is a push. It's we're right up against the time. We're fighting for daylight or fighting for time and trying to get it done. How much of it breathes on set? I mean, like, how much
0: creative input do you have in in, in with Vince? What is there? I, I it's
2: so tight I can't imagine there's a hell of a lot of improvising is no there? no there isn't yeah no uh v- very very little yeah but you know each character brings their own little nuanced right uh essence t- to that uh that you can't write that comes through, but there's very little i mean when when something is like i said before when something is so well written yeah just stand back yeah let they're they're doing all the heavy lifting uh-huh just know your stuff uh-huh. show up on time have a good attitude you know yeah have fun and go home yeah well i it's it's great
0: and it uh is. you know and it it's very exciting to to see somebody uh, have such an explosion of uh, of craft and opportunity and, and brilliance uh,
2: at, at this point in your oh, career. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I mean, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, it's it's a good opportunity, and you know, I got to work. Uh, I'm in Contagion as well. I know. I got to go see that terrific film. Yeah, it's Steven pretty Soderbergh heavy. film. It's just it's scary and plausible, and and it's a it's a good good film. Had, had you given up on the film career? before like no you know, remember remember I know, what i, I said know, i know but don't it was... well don't don't you know that's what it is All right. it's true if you, you truly buy into that it's not giving up on anything it's like whatever comes along i'm available to it what uh, what's the what's today well, oh I'll tell here you. it is <laughs> okay well how about this uh, how about that right but the one thing that's good about having that outlook
0: for real is like it just be it must be mind-blowing i mean you must be just right. sort of like god damn it yeah
2: yeah and i was a poor kid from the valley yeah so uh there's no way you can develop a sense of entitlement when you're when you have nothing. Right? It's yeah. like, boy, anything that comes to you is like, Wow, how about this? Yeah. Oh, it's just it's a it's a humbling experience and so And you're so ready for it, man. You know, I mean It's that, fun. I'm ready to take it. Let's yeah, let's that, see how far this will go. That's the best thing
0: about it is that you know, no one's throwing something at you where you're like, Oh God, I gotta you know, it's like I'm here.
2: I'm here. Yeah. Jump in. Well, congratulations, man. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. <laughs> Well,
0: there you go. How is that for a uh, an exciting, non-spoiling tease for Sunday night's Breaking Bad? God damn it. Why didn't he bring me a DVD of it? I got connections over there. I'm going to wait, just like the rest of us. I'm not special. Okay, before I forget, my buddy, uh, who's also been on the show, Australian comic Brendan Burns, is going to be at the Nerd Melt that's at the, uh, the Meltdown there. That's uh, Chris Hardwick's joint, Meltdown Comics. Sunday, October 9th, go to nerdmeltla.com and poke around there and find tickets for Brendan Burns, an evening with Brendan Burns, and, uh, and you'll see, uh, you know, where to get tickets. I told him I'd, I'd hip you to that. That's uh, this coming Sunday at the uh, Nerd Melt. What else? WTFpod.com. Go get yourself some just coffee. You know I'm not gonna shit my pants this time. I'm just gonna I'm gonna suck it up and hold it in because I've adapted, man. I can drink a, six pots of, of of just coffee, co-op coffee, and I'm I'm not I'm holding it in. Anyways, you can get that at wtfpod.com. Get on the mailing list, please. Uh, leave some comments if you'd like. Uh, also, go to merch. New merch coming. Going to put together some buttons packages. Gonna make some stickers available, gonna get tote bags in a few weeks. There's already some mugs up there. People are digging those because I just had to reorder some. T-shirts, good gifts. Start thinking ahead. Gift time is coming. Reasonable gifts with my face on them. Fucking Brian Cranston. Was that amazing or what? Seriously. But I'm, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and buy some meth and just stay up until Sunday's breaking bad. Cause that'll fuck my head up, man. I think this cheat day thing has gotten them. It's like the sugar. I don't know.
1: Whew!
0: Oh, God.